With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I got some to soul on my true collective ball. Famous, also famous, number one, desirable. Out of what I want, when I want, and how I want it. Leave you with the one in the air. Welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, home of our originally created series, My Story. This is Series 2, Episode Number 7, and I am Sai, your host, Ace Podcast Nation. Of course, you're home to many other great shows and series, featuring top guests, expert analysts, and more. Uh, My Story, like all our other shows and series, available in video format at youtube.com slash acepodcastnation. Please do subscribe and click the bell for notifications. That is the most direct way to support us at the moment and uh, get behind the various shows and uh, content that we've produced on the channel, all self-funded. And, uh, of course, you can follow us on social media uh, for more information on upcoming guests, new series, things like that. If you prefer your podcasts in audio form, just uh, search Ace Podcast Nation on your favourite podcast platform. And uh, there's over 400 shows on various subjects with uh, a lot of uh, a lot of top guests, big names, really interesting shows. 
But uh, the My Story series is, is, is unique as uh, we take our guests through their life and career from their upbringing all the way up to present day as they share stories and anecdotes along the way. Series one featured actors, footballers, broadcasters, authors and more. And series two will be no different. The tagline is simple. Real conversations with real people. And uh, my guest today for episode number seven is uh, Notts County cricketer and author, Luke Fletcher. Welcome, Luke. How's it going, mate? Cheers, mate. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, looking forward to having a little chat. And uh, I like talking cricket, mate, so that's mm. always, always a bonus. But um, what I do like to do with my guests uh, at the start is just take you right back to the beginning and uh, kind of just have you tell us a little bit about, you know, where you're from, where you grew up uh, and all that sort of good stuff from the yeah. start, where it all began for Luke Fletcher, I guess. Well, interestingly for me, I'm not really from a, a cricketing family. Um, I'm from a place called Bullwell, which is a little um, little town, village in, in Nottingham that's, um, it's not got the best reputation. It's, it's, a, bit, it's a bit rough and ready. Um, and that was really just like a, a footballing sort of place. There wasn't much cricket going on. Um, you know, when I went to primary school, uh, you didn't really play much cricket there. Um, and secondary school also. So not really from a cricketing background. It was more football. So I grew up playing yeah. football. Um, got into the Notts County South at about 11. I was a, I was a goalkeeper. I was always taller. than I was one of them, them kids that you see, you know, at the back of every school photo, the tall one at the back. So I was always, um, you know, I was always the big lad. And so I was a goalkeeper. And um, that's, you know, how I really got into sport was playing, playing football. Um, and it wasn't until I got sort of released by Notts County um, when I was, I think I was 11, 12, something like that, that I got into cricket. So it's quite a strange one, one really for me that I've ended up playing, you know, 14 years professional cricket with no real background. I obviously played like on Skegness Beach with my parents when we went on holiday or on the driveway um, and like that, like socially. But um, yeah. yeah, very different. So, uh, you know, but my, my, my upbringing, and I think the sort of way I've come through the system has helped me really because it's kept me hungry to, to keep playing in the game. You know, a lot of these mm. kids now that come through the system, they're so like, you know, they're, they're training four or five days a week. They get diet plans. They have to attend loads of things. You know what I mean? It sort of drains the, the life out of you. You actually get 16. It takes the enjoyment away a bit, I think, as well, doesn't you, it? You start hating the sport. So, yeah, for me, it was a very, very, very bog-standard normal. My, my, my dad was a miner for 30 years. My mum was a dinner lady. Um, we didn't have a great deal of money, but we never, we never went, at, went without. So, we, you know, we're, I've got two brothers. I'm the middle one. So, you know, it's chaos really around our eyes um but it was brilliant uh, we had a lot of we had a lot of fun we were always playing with each other a lot of friends on the street and um yeah but you know real just normal upbringing to i'd say the the normal 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 family really so for you you were uh, more football as a as a youngster you mentioned yeah. Notts county did you have trials with any other sort of clubs other than Notts county yeah, I, well, I didn't. I, I, I did. I did get offered trials. Yeah, I had this period when I was 10, 11, where, like I said to you before, I was the tallest person. I was doing really well. Um, I was a goalkeeper, so I, you know, them sort of things stand out. I could boot the ball. I had good hands. Um, so I think I, I, we, we won this tournament when I was playing for 
uh, Nottingham City boys and we, we played on Wembley. Uh, there's loads of scouts there. And um, I think Forest were, were interested, Leeds United, Derby County and Notts County. And it was Notts County. I went there because all my mates went there. There was like mm. four or five of my mates that were all on the on the Notts County book. So I just thought I'd go and join them. Um, which, obviously, looking back now, we should have gone to Forest. But mm-hmm. I don't, not to say I was ever going to make it as a footballer because I, I, I wouldn't have, no. But... Um, yeah, it was uh, it was all football when I was younger. So you played at Wembley. You said there that you sort of slipped that in. Um, was that the old Wembley or the new Wembley? Like, how that, old that, yeah, so that was the old Wembley. It was it was called Adidas Predator Cup. Uh, and actually, two weeks after that, I played at Old Trafford as well with my school side because we got into like the top. We got into like the top four teams in the country. So we played again. It was Adidas Predator Cup. It, it, it was um, I think it was the year two thousand actually. Um, yeah. so they did that Predator Cup and, and I got there with not City boys to Wembley and then with my school pri- primary school Cantrell we got to Old Trafford as well and that was always in all in the space of two weeks hell of a couple of weeks isn't it for uh, it's a young, good couple of weeks kids, yeah, yeah that's uh, a good one that, yeah. I mean. but um, interestingly like that's the, what you've just described is very similar what my one of my, my oldest son's been through he's um, he's quite tall where he's very tall and then, um, like 11, 12, he had a few sort of scouts knocking about and, you know, offered him this, that and the other. And then um, he went and trained with Cardiff for a bit. And then he was with Tapswell for a bit. And as he's got a bit older, he's kind of not drifted away from it. But I think I think the diet plans and the strength and conditioning and all that sort of stuff kind of took the Fun, fun out of it a little bit for him yeah. like I'm speaking for him but and I remember when I was a kid I was the same I played to quite high standards to about 15 but when I was playing for like the what was it called back then it's a long time ago it's like 20 years ago but like Southwell there was a South Wales School of Excellence and when yeah. they started wanting me to train like three four times a week and they were telling you you know eat this on this day and this day is going to be fitness and and I'm thinking, well, you know, I don't mind playing on a Saturday and training, you know, on a Wednesday or something. But I, I want to see my mates and I want to, yeah. I was getting to that sort of age where I was more interested in girls and yeah, having a sneaky cider and stuff like that. And yeah, it's a, it's a weird one. But I always, Go my on. problem was always that the football would finish as the cricket season was starting and there was always a clash. So I'd have the cricket coaches because I played men's cricket from quite a young age, they would be nagging me to come to nets, like winter nets, if you like. And, <coughs> I, and I'd be saying, no, I'm going to watch Cardiff. And it's, they used yeah. to get a bit frustrated with that, the crossover. Yeah. I think I, I think you got to let kids be kids and you've got to enjoy your, your life as a, as a kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you often find, you find a lot of them kids that go through the system early, they get to 16, 17, and they're fed up with playing football, they're fed up with playing cricket. And they've missed out so much with their mates that they just want to go and do that. I, like, I don't know what it's like up your neck of the woods, like in Wales and in, like, I'm in Cardiff and like my boy's, he's 16 now. So when this season finishes and they haven't had a season because of COVID and stuff anyway, but when the under 16s finishes, if he wants to carry on playing football outside of sort of school and sixth form and things like that, if he wants to play for a club side, he's basically got to play men's football which is quite a big jump for a kid who's 16 to go and mix with 
grown adults and you know and it's a completely different atmosphere to being with a load of kids your own age oh yeah and like all those like the amount of kids who then stopped playing football for you know quite a few years but just because of that like even i don't even mean like from a professional point of view i just mean from a social point of view it's, it's intimidating isn't it being in the dressing room with blokes like, I, yeah. like that was i did that when i was when i was playing cricket it's like 15 16 playing first team yeah, in the Nottinghamshire Premier League for my club side, and it is intimidating. You know, they're all getting in the shower and all that sort of stuff. It's it's yeah. not nice, but you, you know, you sort of go through that. Everyone goes through that. Yeah, I I enjoyed it. I did like after that. You know, after the first couple of times of being like the first couple of times of going like 13, 14 and going to play like men's cricket and stuff. It's a bit intimidating, like you say. But once you get used to the the kind of banter which is flying around and the the showers and all the different aspects of it it's, it's enjoyable and it helped i helped me a lot like uh, my father died when i was 16 and like oh, all those God. guys there like a, there's a, a few of them which really helped me like long term sort of keep yeah. it together and stuff um and you know socially as well so i'm hoping he'll keep playing football but uh, we'll see i suppose yeah um so w- what age were you when you st- so, you'd, like you mentioned, you, you know, you'd play with your mates and play cricket, you know, in the street and stuff like that and on the beach. What age were you when you started playing for a club side, cricket-wise? Uh, I was 13. I, I remember it. I got invited along. And I said, you know what, I'll, I'll come and have a go. And, and it was it, it was literally, it was it became so natural to me. I could just run up and bowl. And I could just, I just had the hand-eye coordination. Yeah. Um, and I was just, it was just natural, you know. So it sort of escalated quickly for me without even me wanting it to escalate. Do you know what I mean? I, I never played cricket to become professional. I never, I never dreamt of playing for Knots or for England or anything like that. Do you know what I mean? It never, I, I played for it for the social side of it because I love mm. playing. Um, and like you said, I enjoyed the, the banter with the lads and going out on a Saturday night when you've, when you've had a game and then getting up the Sunday and playing hungover having mm. a McDonald's breakfast, all that. I, I loved all that side of it. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Oh, yeah. I and do, then yeah. it escalated quickly and, you know, I, I, I got in the knots, not set up at 15. Um, and then yeah, it was 17. If you, if, 17, if you didn't get a, an academy scholarship, um, then that was it. It was sort of the end of the road. So I didn't get an academy contract at the time. Okay. Um, so then I just, I just literally played at a weekend. So I played on Saturday, trained on a Tuesday, um, and then work my way in like that. It, it was actually, um, I was 19 at the time and I was working at Hooters, you know, Hooters in Nottingham. Yeah. I was working as a chef there. Cool. Um, doing worst, some work. Worst places to work. I've got to say. Oh, it's a great job, mate. I'll go back tomorrow if I have to. Um, and then I got, you know, I, I trained with knots over the winter. They, they said they wanted to keep an eye on me. I played a bit of second team stuff and, um, I signed that that following season, and that's sort of how it went on. So it, it escalated quickly for me without me mm. sort of going through a system. So, like, how old would you have been when you kind of it dawned on you, perhaps that oh, I could be, you know, I can be this, I could do this for my job. Like, um, literally, like- I'm not joking. I'd probably say when I actually signed a contract. See, that's quite late, isn't it? Like it's very late, yeah. Speaking to the different uh, athletes in different sports, I found a lot of them either have wanted it from, you know, like a young age 
or they've you know they've got sort of 15 16 and they've really thought oh, i can do this i'm in this yeah. system or i'm in uh-huh. that system but, see i wasn't really i never got in the system that that was that's yeah. the difference for me i never really so there was always age group stuff right but then there was academy contracts on top of that so the academy contractor players would obviously filter into your age group whatever age you are and probably play ages above anyway Mm. Um, but if you didn't get a, an academy contract by you were 17 that, that was the end of the road yeah I mean, yeah, that's, that, that's what happened so to I, me as well I, I left yeah. at 17 and kind of never I never, obviously never went further than that yeah but, but, so but I've got to say weird. the couple of years I played with like county cricket like uh, 14, 15, 16 were some of the most it is Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Enjoyable times in my life, though. We went um, to the at like the ample fourth. So I played there like um I play, I was lucky I got to play there a couple I think three years in a row because I was a wicketkeeper. So for two years, I think, or one what no, one year I went with the year above as like a you know, just a reserve keeper, and then I'd play like the odd game on the last couple of days, and then the, the following year I went with my own age group. So but it was awesome it i just loved it and when we i don't know what what obviously i'm a bit older than you so it would have been a few years later when we went it was sponsored by muller yogurts so you know like you where you have the tents and you have all the tea and stuff in between the games it was just you could just have as many yogurts as you wanted and i was that was i was absolutely at home there because i can't love a bit of yogurt myself and yeah i just it was just it was just enjoyable times like going away with um all your mates, like the year I went with the, like the year above, I found it was a little bit intimidating because I only knew one or two of them. But as an experience, like when I went back the following year with my own age group, I was so relaxed because I'd already been there. But Mm. there's a few festivals like that, isn't there, around the country for, which are really good for kids. I would assume Ampleforth is still going now, is it? Uh, Yeah, I think, I, I think so. But yeah, I mean, that's quite a popular one. It's a beautiful um, venue as well, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, amazing. Like, looking yeah. back. Yeah, quality. Um, I really enjoyed that trip. Yeah, it's a good one, that was. Sorry, I uh, it just reminded me of it then. Um, so what was your club side when you were, before you signed for Knots? Who was your club side? Uh, Papawick and Limby, they're called. Okay. Not Which, that I know where that is or anything. No, but you were, no. It's, it's both a men- mentioned uh, the Papawick, so obviously I thought I'd uh, ask you about it. Yeah, Boatsy's. I think Boatsy's lad Charlie's down there now. He's doing a bit, mm. doing a bit, of, bit, a bit of cricket in that. Um, but it's a great, it's a great club if you ever get a chance when you're down Nottingham and you should get yourself down there. It's lovely. Yeah, I'm hoping to make the trip. I'm hoping once uh, once they lift the uh, the regulations in Wales and stuff, I'm doing yeah. a bit of a bit of a tour of England, I think. I'm going to go up to Middlesbrough to see uh, Andy, who I do the football show with, and I'm going to go up to Knott's and see Boatsy and that. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a bit of a tour of England to a lot of places I haven't been before as well. So it's good. I'm quite looking forward to a bit of a road trip. Been uh, locked up for a, 
a long time. So uh-huh. you signed that contract with Knotts um, and it's dawned on you then, right, This I can do this for a job. Would, did you make the transition then straight away quite quite easily or was there a period where you kind of still, you know, you were playing second team cricket or whatever and you when did um, you sort of make that break into the first team? Well, I, I was quite quickly. Um, I got, yeah, it, I could say it, it happened really quickly for me. It was one year I was paying to be a fan, the next year I was literally opening the bowl with Ryan Sidebottom. It was wow. that quick. So, I mean, the transition, transition for some players is a lot slower than that, but yeah. I I got an opportunity and, I, I, you know, that's what sports is all about. I think you get an opportunity, you take your opportunity, yeah. you, you can fly, do you know what I mean? You can go to the next stage quick. Um, so, you know, I, I got an early opportunity, I took it, I did well, and then that was it. One thing led to another. You string two or three good games together, your name's flying around the country, you're on TV, you know what I mean? It's soon, it's soon you, you build your confidence that way. Um, so do you think, I, um, sorry to interrupt you, mate, do you think that helped you because you didn't have time to get in your own head, if you like, with nerves and things like that, because you made that transition so quickly, you're almost, like you say, one minute you were paying to watch, the next minute you were playing, it's, yeah. um, you haven't got time to almost think about uh, things like nerves and stuff. Is Do you get nervous before games, generally? Um, honestly, no, not, not, not I'll get I get nervous. I always get nervous before I bowl my first ball, but I think that's not you. Just thinking, I want to land it somewhere near, and then you're in the game. You know what I mean? But mm. not. I think I would say more a mixture of excitement and nerves. Mm. You know, it's it's, it's like butterflies. Um, yeah, butterflies. I'm I'm confident in myself and what I can deliver. Consistency. You know what I mean? I, I'm quite a consistent performer, so I sort of know that what I'm going to do. I, I sort of know I'm going to be able to front up, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's whether the occasion gets the bigger of me. Now, we played in the Lord's final in front of 20-odd thousand people, live on Sky Sports. Felt a bit nervous, but again, got the first ball out of the way and that was it. I was fine. I was more excited for the occasion. And I think, I think that's what happens to a lot of sports people you know, when they're growing up, you know, they, they, they don't, they don't quite know how to deal with the nerves and the pressure of actually playing the game. You know what I mean? They can get to a certain level and then the pressures take over and that's when, you know, you, it, it becomes very difficult. Then. Yeah, and I think the other thing which I hear a lot from people, particularly play, uh, like ex-players of cricket, football, um, is sometimes you don't appreciate uh, like the occasions as you're in them. Like you can look yeah. back with hindsight and think, oh wow, I played at you know in a final Lords or whatever it may be. But do you are you one of these people who's able to appreciate you know the occasion and and you know everything as it's going along? I think as I've got older, I'd probably say yes. I mean, I won. I was part of the the squad that won the championship in two thousand and ten. That was my second year as a professional, so I was only twenty years old. And we won the county championship, which is the hardest competition to win. And we've not got anywhere close to winning that since. And I sort of wish that I'd won, won that later on in my career so I would appreciate it more. Mm. Because I just thought that was the norm. Do you know what I mean? You're getting a big bonus in your bank. You're having a week on the piss with the lads. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just won the trophy. Everyone's loving it. The, you know, you're going around the forest ground with the trophy in front of the fans. You're going to meet um, the prince who's just passed away, actually, at Buckingham Palace because he's a cricket fan. 
you know what I mean? And at the time, I, I, I didn't appreciate it because I was only 20, so... Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, that must have been a bit of a whirlwind for you anyway, because well, obviously you started in 08, 2010, yeah. winning the trophy. Like, yeah. that's a real quick sort of Rapid. turnabout, isn't it? Rapid, yeah. I mean, I've been lucky not to win four or five trophies, but that one was early on. So I, I reckon, I, I, to answer your question, I'd say the older I've got, the more I've appreciated stuff. Mm. Um, you know, the Lord's final was the last one, 2017, uh, which I played in. And I remember enjoying every moment of that. I remember waking up in the hotel, walking to the ground on my own, taking it all in, going out, walking on the ground, seeing my parents. I took all that in. I enjoyed all that day. Every single minute I enjoyed that. Do you uh, like all your family come and watch when you played the yeah. Lords as well? So oh, you yeah, like, yeah. Uh, have a proper family occasion as well. Yeah, they were all in one section. So like everyone's like wives, girlfriends, family. Oh, that's good. Um, so we sort of knew where they, where they were and we went over and celebrated. And, and the, I bet you might have been there. I think you probably. might have been there. You probably wouldn't have been there, yeah. Uh, but so, yeah, I, I know, I think so. Yeah, I, I would say as I got older, I, I certainly appreciated it occasionally, but a bit more. I think it's probably it's difficult with anything. I think, but particularly with sport. But I think with any anything, sometimes you don't always appreciate things because you're always looking forward, aren't you? You're always looking for yeah. like someone said to me the other day about. Um, I think it was on one of these shows actually, just about like oh how well the channel's going and how you know you've had all these different guests. They're really good. You must be buzzing. And I was like, and I was sort of yeah, I am. But like I always kind of don't always look at that because I'm always looking at what's next. Mm. And it's, it's, I try trying uh, as I get older to try and like appreciate it a bit and at the time, but it's, e it's difficult or I should say it's easy because you're always looking at like the next game or the next show or whatever it is. Yeah. Just got to appreciate it. How many trophies have you won with uh, knots now? Uh, one. Two. Um... Five, five. I haven't been. I've, yeah, five. I've been involved, um, but I haven't played in some of the finals. Yeah. Is there so, any which you know, stick out for you, like where you yeah, think? Yeah, that was I mean, a real good. One. That, that that championship, honestly, I, I saw. I looking back, there was grown men crying in the dressing room. You know, I'm a 20 year old bloke, and he's like 30 year old crying because of that. You know what I mean? It's that. It's, it's so it's, difficult it means, to win that trophy, though, isn't it? Yeah, so, it means that much. Yeah, I mean, it's six months hard work. It's, like, really hard work as well. And, and it's quite emotional for day cricket because, you know, ebbs and flows and it. You can put so much in, then one one bad hour can cost you the whole game mm. or you look like you're going to win and it starts raining. You know, it's, it is an emotional um, competition. So, yeah, like I said, there's people crying and I'm thinking, what's going on here? Like, it's, it's just outrageous. So that one, that one's right up there. Uh, but the Lord's final was obviously special. You know, I was open the bowl in that, played. Um, yeah, Alex Hale's got 187 not out. That was unbelievable to watch. Um, he's one of yeah, my that... favourite favorite cricketers. Oh, he's characters. amazing. Yeah, he's, he, yeah, he's great. Um, so that, yeah, that's the... Any time you win a trophy, it sticks out. But I'd say them two for me, personally, in my opinion, they, they, they stick out a bit more. Yeah, and I mean, for anyone who's watching who kind of maybe doesn't follow cricket as um, as closely, the county championship, which you were talking about there, is like, it's a tournament, it's a league table where you play each team and stuff, but it's every game is four days long. So like you say, there's so many ups and downs during that period that over six months, seven months, whatever it is, 
of the season. That's a long time, and there's a lot of emotions throughout the season. And when that final, when you know, when the season finishes and you're top of that league, that I, for me, is I think is one of the hardest tournaments to win in sport, in any sport, because because of the fact it's it's pretty brutal. Like you know, it's it's six months of four day games, and you know, I think the the people in charge of cricket, I think that's what they want this test championship to be that they're trying to build, but it's so difficult to do because it's international cricket, but they want that, um, that emotion attached to it. Do you think they'll ever achieve that with that test championship? Um, it's difficult, I, isn't I, I, it? Because you're doing that, it around domestic yeah, cricket. Yeah, it's difficult, but you're right. It's, it is emotion. And that's what people like to see, like fans and spectators, because you can get involved in that emotion as well. You know, like, You've only got to watch back at some of the Ashes series. It's incredible, isn't it? When you get a, when you get a cricket series that's like that, that's what attracts people who don't know anything about cricket into it. Yeah, you know, two thousand five Ashes was my sort of era coming up as a young lad. Well, I just wanted to be Andrew Flintoff. I just thought I want all the same kit. I want to be exactly what he does. You know, um, so you know, Test cricket. When Test cricket is at its best, it's by far the best format. Oh, it's unbelievable. That 2005 series you mentioned, um, my oldest son, who I mentioned earlier, he was one. And um, I was watching that with him on my lap, just that um, the sort of final couple of days of the, the last test match. And um, even my missus, who hates cricket, but she likes Freddie Flintoff, and she sat there and she's watching it and she's getting into it. And it's like, it's difficult to describe how emotional and how important that series was for English cricket and English cricket fans like I must I, I like for me I look at that and I think it was just so um poignant a series but obviously you were you know sort of just getting into your professional career as a cricketer there so you mentioned Andrew Flintoff what um what other players kind of were you as maybe aspiring to be like, or you know, yeah. you looked looked up to, or sort of icons, Darren, if you like? Darren Goff, he was one. He was up there. He's one of my um, heroes. watching Andy Caddick run into bowl, Steve Armisen, um, Tress Gothic with a bat, Born. That sort, yeah, all that sort of era, really. Huh? But mm. the, the main one was Flintoff. I mean, that that series. I think every little, every fifteen-year-old boy in the in the country wanted to be Andrew Flintoff at that stage, didn't they? So he um, he certainly lit up that, and you know it was a he's still talked about this day into that two thousand five. So yeah, he just felt like oh, every yeah. time he came on to bowl, he changed the game, or every time he came into bat, it just felt. And even looking back when you see the highlights, it just feels like every time he was bowling or batting, something was going to happen, and yeah. he seemed to just change the game in England's favour. And yeah. that um there's that one wicket he takes down the leg side. I can't remember. Um and the keeper catches it. It's, it's really like late in the day and he comes oh, that's, uh, that was um Harmison to Casper's edge master monet where he glossed him right, off. Yeah. Um, yeah. and that wicket really it's just almost sums up the emotion of the whole series looking back on it because it's really late in the day. The sun's really low. There's shadows over the pitch. All the crowd is pissed up. And 
Harmison looks absolutely exhausted where he's bowled, you know, throughout the day, uh, throughout the few days, and he just comes roaring in. And when, uh, you know, when he takes the, when they take the catch, it just, the relief as well as the, you know, being ecstatic about taking the wicket. And I think that's what sport does. How does it differ being involved in moments, you know, like that or throughout your career in, in finals, in, in matches, to to watching it and feeling that emotion? Like, what? how, how would you describe would the say, difference? I would say sport is much easier to play than watch. Like, you won't, you, you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you probably won't ever believe this until you, it ever happens to you. But um, so, for instance, we go out to Trembridge on a Friday night. There's, there's fifteen thousand there. It's a T Twenty. You as soon as literally as soon as you get on that field, you, you, you're so into the game that you're not really thinking about anything else. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So you play in the game for what it is. But watching it from from you know when I've been injured or left out the side. You sat on the edge of your seat, you're biting your fingernails, you're shouting, you should be doing this, do that, do this. But honestly, the, the calmest place to be is actually out on the field, playing. Um, yeah, I guess when you're on the field, you can have an influence on what's going on. When you're a fan watching it, you've just got to watch it, haven't you? And well, exactly, oh. yeah. So, well, um, I think most, most sportsmen would like the control of, like you say, being able to impact what what's going to happen. Hmm. What... Um, What's your favourite format of the game to play? Uh, honestly, I like I, I like I like them all, but I think the best one for the atmosphere is the T20s, obviously. Uh, but the best, um, the most satisfying to win is the four days because of the hard work. I mean, it's not just the four day game itself; it's the two days training you do before that. So it's basically a week of preparation. Well, it's, it's a week including preparation. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's yeah. a long time going into that one game and there's, there's tactics, there's the surface you're playing on, there's the players you're playing up against, the weather, all this can come into it. All this is a factor into the, into the game and that can change every session. You know what I mean? Mm. So it, it's it's the it's the emotion of that that format that when you do get over the line on the last day and you, and you win, it's just, it's a way more satisfying feeling than the rest. I mean, the T20 is done in, in three hours. Yeah. But you sort of know where you're going to be. Um, and I would say it's, in that format, you know, one bloke has a good day, that's it. You know, one bloke slogs a quick eight to, that's it. You, you know, they probably win the game. But across four days, a lot of things can happen that can affect the game. So I think the format I like to to play and and, and get most satisfaction out is probably the four-day cricket. Which which one do you think you're best at? Four day cricket. Yeah. Do you think um, you like your coaches and teammates would say the same thing? Um, four day and T twenty probably, but yeah, I'd, I'd imagine they'd, they'd say the same. I mean, I'm just yeah. I mean, I'm quite I'm consistent in what I do. So mm. I think from a captain's point of view and a manager, they sort of know what they're going to get from me. And I won't sort of veer off, you know what I mean? If I, my bad day might won't be a terrible day, and my, you know, my 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 good day might not be an unbelievable day, but I'll be somewhere yeah. in the middle. Do you know what I mean? So I'm I'm a bit like an Everton, mid table, mm-hmm. you know, steady, can do well sometimes, consistent, um, consistent. So 
according to Wikipedia, at least, um, you've scored a few 50s, first-class 50s. With the bat, obviously, you're more well-known for your, your bowling, opening the bowling. Um, but you've scored a few 50s. According to, like I say, according to Wikipedia, the closest you've come is 92, but you haven't got that elusive uh, 100, which is not necessarily your job. Is that something which plays on your mind or you'd like to, you know, you'd like to get before you're, you know, before you retire and, and it's all said and done? I wouldn't say it plays on my mind, but I would like to get it, yeah. I mean, I've got 92 twice. Oh, is so it? It's, quite, it's a bit frustrating, yeah. Frustrating then, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I work hard. I've always worked hard on my batting and I've always enjoyed my batting. Uh, but I, I think it's the hardest part of the game. And it's such right. a... I agree. It's such a mind fuck in a way because one minute you you literally stood there facing up, the next minute you're taking your pads off. You know yeah. what I mean? You're thinking, what's just gone on there in that split second? Yeah. I've no idea what's just happened. It's so ruthless and, and brutal in that fact that one ball can cost you. You know what I mean? So, whereas if a bowler, you run in your first ball, you get eight for six, you've got five more balls to get back around. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a lot more forgiving. Yeah, it is. It's uh, it's a lot more forgiving. I am... Um... I would argue as a former wicketkeeper that um, wicketkeeping for five, four or five days is um, is the hardest part of the game. But no, I, I, yeah, I, I mean, the, the concentration you've got to have is, is yeah. unbelievable. And like, I only, you know, I never played like a, the, the closest I ever got to like playing multiple days was like a time game or something like that, where you can sometimes be out there for a while. But like keeping for 50 overs was brutal. And sometimes when it's, lot of sun or rain you've got to concentrate for every ball you know you can't switch off because if you do and a, an edge comes through or a stumping or whatever it can cost you and I think I got so much respect for those keepers who, who can literally keep it at like a nine out of ten for three days while you know very- Judy was boring hello then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Jack Coley or someone or Brian Lara's gun, you know, scores... 200 and something over a couple of days and those bowlers and keepers are just, they'll keep going and keep going. It's brutal. It's difficult. It's, yeah. um, it's, uh, let's, I'm going to ask you a couple of sort of quick fire questions and just uh, before we move on to the, kind of the next part of your career, who's the toughest, toughest opponent you've ever faced? Oh, Toughest opponent who oh. Joe Roots, uh, Ben Stokes, I'd probably say. Yeah, Ben Stokes. I mean, he can dominate with bat and ball and in the field. So if he doesn't get any wickets, he'll get some runs. Mm. If he doesn't get any runs, he'll probably get some wickets. Do you know what I mean? So he's always he's always in the game. Is he like the most competitive player you've played against as well, in terms of like their attitude and, and wanting to win? I would say he's up there, right up there, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, angriest teammate? Angriest teammate. Who's angry? 
Uh, probably Alex Hales. Back in the day when he was younger, he used to smash his kit everywhere. But he's calmed down a bit now. He's calmed down a bit now, but he was could get angry back in the day. So talented he is. He, um, uh, that um, a couple. I think it was 2018. I might be wrong with the year when him and Jason Roy were batting for England, uh, opening in the one day as like in the T20s and stuff. And they would just, they would just almost one of them would constantly get like 50, 60, 70, and they would just brutalize whoever they were playing. Um, they just, yeah, for me, on their day, those two are the best opening one day batsmen that England have got. Um, but yeah, a big fan of Alex Hales. Um, best player you've played with? Well, Stuart Broad will be up there. Quick question about Stuart Broad, then. Sorry, as you brought him up, like, how good is he? Because I do feel that, as a, I feel as a cricket fan who watches, you know, every England game and stuff, I feel like he hasn't got the credit that he deserves because his record is unbelievable. Yeah, I feel oh, like yeah. he doesn't get that credit that he would deserve, probably because Jimmy Anderson's record is so good. Well, exactly. You just sitting there like that, yeah. You know, he bowled at the other end to number one in the world in, in the world, didn't he? So. Uh, no, he's 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 class above, mate. You know these lads when they come back in the Knots team, which he did do this last game, and you watch him play, they're just they're just different level. They they've just got that X factor, you know what I mean? They've got the golden arm. They just they make things happen. That's what the top sportsmen do. They can make things happen when not not many people can. Yeah, whatever sport that is, football, cricket, golf, whatever it is, they've just got that knack of of turning the game. What um. Like what? What are those guys like the Knots players who come who are like centrally contacted to England and stuff? Like, do they slot back into the teams, you know, nicely? And I'm assuming they all like Stuart Ball, for instance. He seems like a really top bloke who is very competitive. So, like, it must be good for the Knots squad to get those players back. You know, unfortunately, you can't have them as much perhaps as the team would like, but. How do they all slot back in? Yeah, does it fine. make the yeah, team? No, does it make the team like more? Does it give you a lift? I suppose I'm asking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I mean, um, whenever them players are coming back in your team, it's going to improve you. Uh, not just that, really. It's good for the young lads to see see them and meet them and and train with them and just see how they go about their everyday life, sort of thing. You you know, you're just a normal bloke at the end of the day. Yeah. It's just it's just good at cricket. That's all it is. Um. So no, any time you get them lads back around the dressing room, it's it's a good thing, really. You know, you can pick their brains on what they're they're working on, who they've played against. All the questions you're asking me, I'll probably ask them to Broadley before. Who's your toughest bloke to bowl at? Yeah, stuff like that, and stories about international cricket. So yeah, whenever you get them around, it's, it's, it gives everyone a real boost. Uh, best coach you've played under or against? <laughs> uh, tough one. I've, I've I've only played with. I've only had two coaches in Mick Newell and Peter Moores and, and both of them have been brilliant. So it'd be, it'd be, it'd be tough for me to, to separate them. Yeah, Peter Moores obviously has had, uh, what can I say, certain people within cricket have sort of had issues with him. Um, but obviously a lot of people have spoke very highly of him and he's clearly a very good coach. Um, and you've said like there, your experience with him has been really positive. Like how good a coach is he? 
Well, he, I think Moors is just a real good bloke. You know, he's really enthusiastic about the game. He's, he loves cricket. Mm. Um, he works harder than anyone. Um, he's passionate about everything he does. He's passionate about coaching. He's passionate about improving people. He's passionate about making people enjoy their life. He's just a real good man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I suppose that's really the most I can say, really. You know, a lot of these good coaches, it's not really about cricket all the time. It's about the impact they have on you as a person as well and, and the impact they have on your life. Do you think um, he's had an impact on you outside of cricket? Yeah, I do, yeah, yeah. Yeah, most definitely, yeah. Do you, would you say, uh, so I don't want to put words in your mouth, would you say he's been the most influential uh, person within cricket on you as a and you as a person? So, like, I don't mean on your cricketing career, I mean on your life generally. Is it, is, would he be the most influential on you or is there someone else? I'd say he's played a part. I mean... I've been playing for 14 years now and he's been head coach for three or four of them years. So mm. I, I can't probably can't say he's had the biggest influence because, uh, but he's definitely had an influence. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's opened my eyes to different, different ideas, different ways of doing things in the game. He's improved my batting and uh, the way I think about the game. Um, you know, anytime you get someone new come in, they have, they have different, opinions don't they so it's, yeah you know you got to spend time to get to know that person know what makes them sort of tick and know how they work know how they want to play the game um so yeah i think over the last four years he's definitely had a, an influence over me how was the time. um how's the game changed since you came in in 2000 to now like how uh, whether it's training or the way things are done from that side of yeah. it or the game itself like what sort of changes have you seen over your 14 years? Well, yeah, you mentioned training and things like that. I mean, when I first started, we we didn't have a fitness coach. Uh, we had one physio and our assistant manager used to run two or three fitness sessions a week, like a, a box, boxing session, a spin bike session, then like a circuit session. So hmm. it was very old school in that, in that sort of way. But now you look in, you've got two fitness coaches, two physios, Batting, bowling, fielding, two assistant coaches, uh, manager—it's—it's it's crazy now. The, the and I think that it's, it's down to really the money in the sport. Um, that's probably one of the biggest things that's changed. Um, actually, been—you know—being a cricket now, you can make a really good living. And if you find yourself in these franchise tournaments and doing well in that, you can set yourself up for life. So, um, which. 10, 15 years ago, they weren't around. So county cricketers would um, would retire and then go go into working, you know what I mean? So it's, it's very different yeah. in, that, in that respect. That's good, though, I think, because I feel like cricket needed to catch up with perhaps some uh, other sports. Um, so obviously you've been with Knots um, all along, but you have had little stints elsewhere. Uh, you had a stint at Surrey on loan and Derbyshire on loan. And of course, you went to Wellington in New Zealand. Uh, so let's start with Wellington. That was the, the first one. Um, how did that come about? And what was the experience like playing out in New Zealand? Yeah, so it came about, um, we had a bloke called James Franklin, who was from Wellington. He was our overseas player at Knots, playing for us in our T20 competition. 
and I had a good competition and he, he sort of said to me, look, do you fancy coming over playing for Wellington in, in the T20 over there? And obviously said yes straight away and and uh, yeah, off I went and um, yeah, that was, a, that was a weird experience being a, an overseas professional in a different country. You know, you sort of get treated like you know, like a not a superstar, but in a way, you know, what I mean, you know, yeah. coaches, coaches were coming up and saying, "Look, what do you want to do today? If you don't want to do, if you don't want to do much, don't do anything, or you just let us know what you want your day to look like." And blah blah blah, and they were doing everything for me. I was in a nice posh hotel, nice car, um, all things like that. So that was that was a really good experience, and and also Wellington as a place was was amazing. Yeah, I mean, New Zealand, lucky enough to travel over there was was incredible, and uh, got to see a lot of New Zealand because you sort of fly out for every game. You know, you play a game in Wellington and you'll fly to Auckland and then you'll fly somewhere else mm. um, and so on. So that, that was good. And, and just being around a different sort of culture, really. Uh, anytime you get the opportunity to go abroad and, and um, you know, experience sort of... Experience something different, experience I guess, different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, um, it's just a nice, nice experience, something nice to tick off. And then... So you went there in 2014. The following year, you went out uh, on loan to Surrey. Was that for a, a long period? Was that for the whole season? No, that was, just for, that was just for three games. It was, was like that, a month ago. Oh, it's great. Was there any particular reason for that? Or they, they just needed a, a bowler? Or <coughs> Well, yeah, I wasn't in the not set up. Um, I, was, I wasn't in the side and, and Surrey needed a fast bowler. And mm. I, sort of, I, had a, I got a phone call from Alex Stewart. Um, so he said, said if, if I fancy going and I thought yeah you know it's better better me playing the game and taking wickets and I can get back in the you know the knots team so that's generally how the loan things were you go away for a month and then um, you know you try and get some form and come back into the side so it was that the same with the Derbyshire loan the following yeah, year exactly then as well same. yeah and do you enjoy both those stints though going obviously you spent your whole career at knots was it nice to kind of experience different counties only you know even if it was just for a short period yeah it was in a way yeah because you have the perception on counties you know Surrey is a a county that everyone you know seems to think are quite arrogant you know uh, yeah stuck up their own arse that sort of thing but actually when I went I really really enjoyed it they, they made me feel welcome um they were a great bunch of lads great coaching staff it was an amazing setup uh, and it was completely different to what what I perceived it to be. Yeah, I think um, I had that opinion of Surrey uh, that kind of kind of stuck up their own asses thing, and as a fan, and um, and then I kind of became friends, if you like, with Adam Holyoke, and he's been on the channel a couple of times on different series, and um, he speaks so highly of Surrey and and the family kind of family atmosphere and the, and the way they all look after each other and when th- obviously when his brother died and how good they were with just supporting him and looking after him and it, it kind of changed my not just that but just him the way he speaks of the the, the county generally kind of changed my opinion of uh, from the outside anyway obviously I'm looking at yeah. it as a, as a fan um, so 2017 uh, live on Sky TV, you suffered a serious head injury, um, which is I'm I'm you know was, I'm sure it was not pleasant. Uh, but do you remember much about it? And tell us, you know, for the people who don't, aren't aware, tell us what happened and 
sort of how it well, came about if, and stuff. For the listeners, when you do hear this, you just go on YouTube and put Luke Fletcher in, it'll come up with a big, you come up with a video and you'll see it. It'll come up, I think, Luke Fletcher injury and, and it's and it's on there. So, um, yeah, I'm sure when you listen, you'll have an understanding. But yeah, I do remember everything about it. Yeah, I remember being asked by the captain, obviously, you know, you get yourself ready, you're on next over. Sort of running into bowl at a lad called Sam Hain, he sort of backs away. And as I'm in my follow through, he smashes the ball straight back at me. But I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't see the ball. It just hit me straight on top of the head. Oh, and I was, still, just, I was still actually in my follow through. Yeah. So have you just seen it? Yeah, I just watched it again. And do you know what? The thing which gets me is in the first, like before they show any replays of it, it's not necessarily the ball hitting you. It's the reaction of the batsman. Do you say it's Sam Hain? Sam um, Hain. It's his reaction which really gets me because you can see that he is not interested in. Uh, if there's a run there, if there's, he's not, he turns away and he's kind of like, um, yeah. like almost really horrified by it. Like, and that must have been quite distressing for your teammates and, and obviously you as well. Like, that must have been a, a difficult time. What was the kind of diagnosis, the injury from it? It was, uh, I mean, it was, it was obviously, there was obviously a big gash and there was a bit of a bleed on the brain. So that's what sort of ruled me out for the rest of the season. But Did you have to have really, operation or anything like that on it? No, I, I was lucky really. They were, I got, I sort of got away with it, but they were, they were more worried about in sport now. It's called like the second hit syndrome. So if I got hit again, yeah, of course, that had a bigger impact on me like, in the long term. So that was the reason I, um, I wasn't allowed to play the rest of the season. It must have been um, quite scary for you, or, you know, for your family. Well, I, like yeah, I mean. For everyone else, it was scary, but for me, I I, I felt in control the whole way, mm. so I didn't I, I didn't feel scared. I knew I knew I was getting looked after properly because when I come off the field, there's about five doctors in there. Yeah, you know I mean, it was like pumping drugs into me and sewing my head up, and then whisk me off straight to the hospital. So I felt confident in myself. I was fine, but yeah, I mean, lads were like in tears and coming off the field. It was. Obviously, it didn't, help. it didn't help. It was live on Sky Sports. That probably yeah, made it worse. Family are watching back home and, and things like that. But you know, it was a bit of a surreal 24 hours, really. Yeah, and was there any nerves? Um, obviously, like uh, I th- the other the other aspect to it, I guess to it all is a few year, a couple of years. Was it a couple of years earlier? Phil uh, Philip Hughes had died. Um, yeah. Like and obviously he had died when you know when he was struck by a ball and he had a helmet and everything, you know, all the protective gear. It was like a freak injury. Um, so for like you say, for your family, for your teammates, that must have been quite distressing. But luckily and happily, there was no um, no sort of long term damage to you. Um, yeah, I, I it's horrifying to watch. I gotta say, um, yeah. I I. I it's just one of those, isn't it? I suppose it's the the kind of everyone who's played cricket has come close to getting hit in the head. I mean, in some you seem to you seem to have a lot of near misses in the nets and that, and you think, oh god, one day, but then no, actually that did happen. So yeah, but, and especially uh, in T twenty T twenty these days, like the, the batsman hit the ball so hard uh, and so flat as well, like a lot of the yeah. time because they're trying to score off every shot. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's it's part and parcel of the game, I guess. It's the, the umpires do their best to jump out the way as well, don't they? Um, yeah. So, I, I also wanted to ask, and it kind of 
follows on from this, I guess. Obviously, you're a big uh, a big guy. You're six foot six. Is that correct? Yeah, six yeah. foot six. Yeah. Just because I'm checking because it's Wikipedia, so you just you do never know. But um, yeah. I wondered about the impact on your body, like just generally. Um, you're like you're a big guy. You're a fast bowler, um, and you, you know we do see a lot of fast bowlers picking up little niggles, aches, and pains just because of the, the you know the impact of running in. Yeah. ball after ball and, and slamming your body down and bowling like how have you found that um i think luckily for me i mean i have obviously had a lot of injuries because i've been playing a long time mm. so I've, I've probably torn most muscles really um yeah some worse than others um but i mean touch wood i've i think i've got quite a repeatable consistent action and that's the key really if you've got something that's repeatable, then you can sort of, your body can sort of mould to that. Yeah. Do you understand me? So, it, you know, it's when you start changing actions and um, your body's not, sort of not used to it. But I think the way I've got, got through it is being so repeatable and so consistent. And I've obviously worked hard as well. I, you know, I've, course, I've tried yeah. to look after myself as as well as I can. I think as you get older, you, you sort of work out what, what works for you and... Uh, what you need to do to stay on the field. So, for instance, I I like to go in the swimming pool a lot and sort of loosen off in there. Um, mm. I like to have massage. I like to have baths, um, things like that. It's like you know, that which which have all helped my recovery. So, um, but yeah, it definitely, you're right, mate. It's tough on the body, and I think you just it's weird, really, because every day I go to work, I could rip a muscle, and that's a weird feeling. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you obviously don't. I obviously don't think that. But it like looking at the way it is, like I'm I'm, I'm playing against Worcester in a couple of days. I could easily tear a muscle. It, it, anything could happen. Yeah. And that's that you know that, that's not normal for people, is it? You don't you don't need yeah. to work and think I'm gonna I'm gonna rip my hamstring off the bone. No, that's but, right. So it's but yeah, I mean you try and condition yourself as well as you can. Um, but no, I think your body gets used to it and you sort of get used to the pain as well. I mean, you know, you're never really fresh. Never you know, really fully fresh. You never, you never, never fully fit. No, never ever. You know, you probably fully fit for the first friendly, and then after that, you're just basically trying to recover as quick as you can for the next game. Yeah, and that, that's it. And, you know, you, you sort of. What about as um, as you've got older? Do you do you feel like more sort of aches and pains after those four day games and stuff like that? You know what? I've always been quite a big bloke, so not really. It's not like I've. It's not like when I was younger. I was, I was, like. You know, like 12 stone wet through. I mean, I've always been a big bloke, so mm. I've always felt the pains and the yeah. aches, but I've just got used to it. And I'll probably say, not really. Once you get going, the worst thing to do when you're when being a bowler is stopping bowling. Yeah. Then it's, it's starting to rev yourself up again. You start, it's, it's hard then for two weeks of struggling. It becomes really sore. But for, for instance, now I won't stop bowling until October. Yeah. Even if I've got a week off, I'll go in and bowl 20 overs. Just to keep my body going, because it'd be yeah. dangerous if I had a, if I had a full week off, it'd be it'd be dangerous, and I'd be at risk the next game of getting injured. See, so, I find it really interesting. It's like um, yeah. like that sports science side of it, and I suppose like I guess if you stop, your body kind of stiffens up, doesn't it? And and um, the muscles are more at risk of, of tearing and yeah. and uh, and ligaments and things like this. It's, Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. 
Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's difficult. It's uh, GI. Yeah, like, obviously, athletes these days, they look after themselves a lot better than maybe 20 years ago. Um, and we know a lot more about, you know, eating the right things and and strength and conditioning and, and, and also recuperation after the game with things yeah. like swimming, swimming pool and massages and stuff. Um, so just to kind of finish off, really, I wanted to talk about your book. Um, which is out now people can buy it the links in the description below um but i will be just before we do touch on the book i wanted to ask you about um england and obviously you haven't been able or you haven't been selected to to represent england is that something which is like a regret is it something that you feel like you've ever been close to to getting selected for any in any format because you've obviously, you know, you only got to look at your your stats and your record that you've been a very consistent performer. Um, have you ever been told that you were, you know, close to anything like that? I got told, yeah, I got told, um, I got told I got mentioned in a selection for the T20s for England um, a while ago. I, I had a, I started the season and read like three games back to back on Sky and I did well in all of them. And that's basically the best way to get in is doing well on TV. So it's obviously a wider, wider you know, coverage to the public and that. And mm. um, yeah, I got told that I was I was mentioning that, but nothing really came from it. I never heard anything. And I don't I don't really think I've been close ever since. Is this something which uh, I guess like plays on your mind or a regret? No, like no, no, no. I think I think in in that situation, I think if you're good enough, you'll you'll get there. You know what I mean? Like I can look back and think, well, I've been lucky enough to play professional cricket for 14 years. You know what I mean? I was working at Hooters mm-hmm. buying chicken wings. You know what yeah. I mean? So I've been, I, I probably look at it that way that I've been lucky to have so long playing rather yeah, than sure. regretting not playing for England. Because I think if I was good enough, and like, I would have made it. I would have played. But I probably just wasn't quite good enough. I think um, that's a phenomenal uh, way of looking at it because you shouldn't take away from what's been a, and still is an incredible cricketing career and it shouldn't be defined by whether or not you play for England because, you know, you, you like you say, we've mentioned how consistent you've been, but you've been a phenomenal performer for 14 years. And um, is there any more kind of aims, dreams, things that you want to achieve before you retire? There's a few things, yeah, I mean, I'd love to win the county championship again. That's one thing I've always said. And like I said at the start of the show, it was, it was, it was the second year of my career. And that, that, that still to this day, that's, I know that's the hardest competition to win. And I've always wanted to win it again. Yeah. Uh, I think it'd be a very different feeling for me this time to do that. Um, you know, obviously a senior player now would have to play a bigger role, a completely different dressing room. Uh, and so on. So that that is that is something that's keeping me going. It'd be quite nice to get to five hundred first class wickets. That would be quite nice. Uh, so yeah, there's these things I want to achieve. And I think any time you 
you win trophies, you know, T20s, 50 over competitions. They're, they're amazing days. And there's a lot of cricketers I've spoke to have gone a whole career without even winning one. Yeah, which is amazing. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, I look at them and think, well, I've had, a, I've, had, I've been lucky in my career that I've had opportunities to play in them big games. Yeah, hundred um, percent. In terms of uh, sort of retiring, you're 32 now. Have you got any plans in terms of like an age in mind where you think I'm going to stop or are you going to just keep playing until someone tells you otherwise? I don't, I don't, what I don't want to do is I don't want to keep playing and, and become shit. Do you know what I mean? I don't yeah. want to be hanging on. I don't want to be hanging on. Yeah. I think as long as I'm contributing and as long as I'm still improving and, and playing well, then I'm, I want to keep playing. But if I start hanging on for the wrong reasons just because there's nothing else for me to do, or you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that because it, it's too hard then. It, it becomes too hard just hanging on. You don't want to be in sport just hanging on. You want to be trying to get better and improving, and and it's more fun that way. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Right? It's it's not. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to be that bloke that <laughs> dragging, just won't leave. Dragging, dragging a couple of years out. Yeah. So I think, but then you look at sportsmen like your Tom Brady's, James Anderson, Stuart Broad, all these like they're, they're still taking wickets now. They're thirty nine years old. You know what I mean? 100%, so. Mate. I think, I think if you look after yourself, you can go and go and go these days. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that it's, it used to be a, a thing back in the day. It said, "Oh, you're a fast bowler. You'll play till your mid thirties, and that'll be you done." But I, I don't think that's the case anymore. It's not like you go off at lunch and have two pints of bitter and then go back out. But no, it's different now, isn't it? So yeah, yeah, um, it is different. But I mean, I, I mean, like I said, as long as I'm still enjoying it and still improving, that's that's the main thing. Have you got anything in terms of like? Thing, do you think you'll do after your career, whether it's media, yeah. coaching, things like that? Well, I, yeah, I've done bits of media with stuff with Sky before. I've done my level three coaching badge, so I'm, I'm effectively can be a professional coach. Although there is a level four, which which you can get, but I think you can still get on as a coach at level three. Yeah. Um, do you do any coaching things. now with kids and stuff? Uh, I have done, yeah. I've done bits and bobs. I've, I've, you know, I had planned to go into like the private schools and do a bit with them. Um, obviously with the pandemic coming in that sort yeah. of shit up, but um, yeah I've done bits and bobs of coaching work with the academy at Knox um, so I think I'll stay in the game well I definitely want to stay in the game and there's a lot of opportunities in the game that you know that excite me for the future really good stuff so um, you had your book um, Tales from the Frontline the autobiography of Luke Fletcher it was out uh, 12th of October last year um, how did that come about and uh so tell me what's the best thing and the worst thing about writing a book? It came about, mate. One day, um, a bloke called Dave Bracefield rang me, who um, is from, works for the BBC. I've known him all my life, or all my cricketing life anyway. And he said, uh, fancy, fancy doing a book? And I said, what do you mean? He said, oh, I'll, write, I'll write your book for you. Fancy doing it? And I said, no, at first. I said, well, why would I do a book? You know what I mean? Never, not played for England, blah, blah, all that sort of stuff. And then I actually thought, you know what, my story is completely different to everyone else's. You know, the way I came into cricket is very different, not through an academy setup, nothing like that. Is is you know, it'd probably be quite interesting to mm-hmm. some people to read. And also, I thought it'd be, it'd be nice to reflect, you know, sort of look back on some old stories and sort of dig them up for me, really. Which and you know, I, I read the book through a couple of times. It was quite funny. So um, I said eventually, I said, yeah, let's do it. And then. Dave would ring me every day, would 
he'd ask me sort of questions like you are now, um, stories about away trips or best players I've played with against, all sorts really. And we sort of went through the book. I got, I contacted a few people, school teachers, uh, friends, ex-players. Um, Freddie Flintoff forwarded the book, so he got involved. Um, which was, yeah, you know, it sort of all came together nicely, really. And we sort of did it on a daily basis, different sections of the book. What about um, reaction from your teammates and, and stuff to the, when the book came out? Was it positive? I think, I think generally, yeah. I mean, I think you always get some people that you can't please everyone, you know what I mean? No. And, and, I, and I got told that straight away. Because I, I was worried, I was thinking, well, what are people going to think? Of that? Why is Luke Fletcher bringing the book out? And rightly so, really. I was, I was, I did have that in my mind. I thought, well, it's a fair point. But then, who really cares? You know what I mean? Well, it doesn't really matter, does it? No. So, so Dave did say, and I was like, yeah, some people will will have a negative comment to say about it, but you just got to crack on. And that's the yeah, way and is. I mean, everything which I've seen about the book, um, like review wise, I had a quick look today about just having a look at some of the reviews. It's all pretty good, isn't it? It's all um, I, I, it's I got good know. reviews. It's funny. Do you have a look? I wouldn't know. No, I've not even looked now. No, well, I can tell you, it's it's, uh, it's all pretty positive. A lot of people said it's quite funny. It's you know, it's really good. Um, the one thing I did want to ask you about the book just before we finish is uh, why you chose to do it when you did it and not when you you know because a lot of people they do them you know when they retire basically. Was there a reason why you decided to do it? Then was it just because uh, he contacted you to do it at that particular time, or no? I just thought you know, with it, with it, with it being a pandemic, it'd be something to do. Yeah, and then you can, I, I can it. always, I can always look back now and think, well, what did I get out of that pandemic? Well, written a book. That's a pretty, book. pretty damn good little thing. It's not bad, is it? On, it's it? not no. bad, is it? Really? I mean, like at the it. minute, I don't really. In the minute, it's not something I'm really thinking about, but. In years to come, I'll always remember that I did the book during the pandemic, and it was something to do. It was a bit of fun as well, digging out old pictures and speaking to old friends. It was good. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I think that's uh, good. Do you reckon you'll ever write another one? Whether Maybe, yeah. cr Cricketing, or would you be interested in writing your, like, just a, just a uh, I don't know, like a bit of fiction, a bit of anything, really? Well, I, I actually didn't write it. I was just on the end of the phone. Yeah. Dave was all the writing, so um, no, I don't want. Well, no, I couldn't think of anything, anything worse than writing. Mm -hmm. But I don't think I've written anything since I left school. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't expect to get now to use a pen. <laughs> so, um, so Dave did all the hard work, is what you're saying? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. I'm not giving the credit. Either. I've got, yeah. got to be honest here. I'm, I've got to give him the credit. He did do all the work. I need a friend like Dave who does all the work for me. I think. That's yeah, Marie, I I'll, I'll send you his number. <laughs> um, Luke, it's been this be. I really, really enjoyed uh, having a chat to you, mate. Um, tell the people. I'll I'll put links to all your uh, your book and stuff. But tell the people where they can find you on social media and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm on I'm on Twitter at Fletcher Luke, um, and I'm also on Instagram. But I don't really go on Instagram very much. I am on there, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm normally on Twitter at Fletcher Luke, and you can, yeah, like you say, you'll you'll put your links out, but you can get the book from quite a few places now online. If you are interested in reading it, that is. If not, no problem.
No, 100%. And um, I'll put some tweets out anyway in the, in the build-up to Sunday. But uh, we'll be back uh, next Sunday with another episode of My Story and another top guest. But uh, I'm very pleased to say that uh, this has been another very interesting and enjoyable episode of My Story. If you haven't seen the previous episodes, check them out. Just even, for instance, last week we had Welsh filmmaker, talk sport presenter Johnny Owen. We've had uh, Welsh footballing legend David Giles. Uh, we've had Gary Boatsy Clark, author and Forest fan. We've had uh, football agent Jess, uh, Jess Bent in series one. We had Adam Hollyoak. We had uh, a few other people. Mark and Mark Rampakash has been on the channel as well. All sorts of cricketers, footballers, all sorts of shows and channels. Check them out. And uh, we'll be back very soon with a new episode. But in the meantime, thanks for watching. Thanks for downloading, listening, and all that good stuff. Share, tell your friends, and we'll be back soon. Thank you very much. Network.